Hello, this is Will Stoller for Payday Loan Industry Watch, PLIwatch.org, which produces this podcast. PLI Watch is an independent source for news and information about what's happening in the payday loan and cash advance industries. We're able to bring you this service based on donations and sponsorships. The content of this podcast is unlikely to reflect the views of sponsors or donors. This is PLIwatch.org podcast number 10 and is for the first week of August. Before we begin, Mac alert. For all Mac users who are running Tiger, Mac OS 10.4, PLI Watch this week released a PLI Watch RSS reader widget for your dashboard. Get news, podcast, and press release updates from us on your dashboard when they happen. Windows users, for the moment, you're out of luck. Sorry. Joining us this week is Trent Sorby. Trent is currently president of First Community Financial in Brookings, South Dakota, and was formerly a senior compliance examiner for the FDIC. Fishbank Financial, via First Community Financial, is offering its latest product, a potential payday loan alternative for the unbanked, the Revel Advance card. Trent joined us in the role of a president to tell us all about the new card, and then, as a very knowledgeable industry player, Trent discussed related payday loan industry issues, including his opinion about why the financial industry can't compete, or may implicitly choose not to compete, with the payday loan industry. Although bound by a variety of non-disclosure and privacy agreements, he shared a bit about his work as a compliance examiner at the FDIC. About the Revel Advance card product from Revel Advance, quote, Revel Advance and the upcoming edition of Revel Save transformed the typical prepaid debit program into a safe and convenient full-service financial solution for millions of Americans. Consumers who have historically been apprehensive about a banking relationship or who don't have the benefit of a branch in their neighborhood can now enjoy an affordable, convenient, and secure alternative to conducting their business in cash, unquote. Let's go. Thanks for joining us today, Trent. Thank you, Will. Thanks. I guess the first question I want to ask is, part of your mission that I can see is to work with the underbanked by offering them credit products. Can you take a moment and explain the difference between the underbanked consumers you serve and the unbanked consumers the payday loan industry serves? And in general, can you contextualize where your organization fits within the credit market space, especially as compared to other lending institutions? Sure. You know, I think that there probably isn't a lot of differences with our customer, the Revel Cards customer demographic, and probably the demographics that the payday loan industry currently serves. I think there probably is a significant amount of overlap, actually. I think there are uh, some similarities in the products, but we think that there's some very clear distinctions between the Revel Card and uh, sort of the other short-term loan products out there. And I think the first one is the Revel Card really isn't a loan. It's really a deposit relationship in that a customer has what we call the checklist checking account in their Revel card. What we did is we said, okay, how do we make that card product, that sort of deposit relationship, more attractive to customers? And we said, you know, we think these customers, a lot of customers, have a need for small dollar but yet affordable credit. So we decided let's add a loan feature onto the overall program. So the card really is a debit card. And the loan feature is really meant as just that a feature to the overall program. Now, that loan, we call it Revel Advance, is really part of an overall suite of products. So I think the significant difference between the Revel card and perhaps payday loans or some payday loan alternatives is that 
we're really talking about a full suite of products and services. You know, it's a debit card, it's got bill pay, it's got Revel Advance, we're going to add a savings account feature. So we're talking about a package of services versus one standalone monoline product. So I think that's probably the, the most significant difference. Now we think where our customer base may differ a little bit from the, the customer base that, for example, the payday loan industry currently serves, we think there are customers out there that will enjoy the privacy of this product. Perhaps a little more, uh, there, there may be more customers out there who don't go to a payday loan store, but would rather have that transaction be more of an anonymous transaction. In our case, it's a telephone transaction and soon to be an internet transaction. So we think that there's a slice of the customer base out there that may not be patroning a physical payday loan location, but may be attractive to small dollar loans delivered other ways. We also think that there may be customers out there that the payday loan industry really hasn't tapped into that we think the Revel card can tap into successfully that simply are looking for a better deal than a payday loan. So I think there probably are just some cost-conscious, price-sensitive customers out there that we hope the Revel card will be attractive to that may not want to pay the fees associated with a payday loan. So I think while the customer demographic probably overlaps significantly, we think that there are some differences. Another difference, I think, between our product and the payday products or credit union products is that we made a very deliberate attempt to create a vibrant brand image. We wanted it to be a desirable product. So we went with a trendy or hip type image for the card because we wanted it to be something that the customer covets or that they actually want, a desire for them. A lot of times I read a lot about short-term payday loan alternatives and typically offered by credit unions is probably the most common payday loan alternative that you read about. But then I read about names of these products like the second chance checking account. You know, I really scratch my head a little bit and wonder, is that attractive to customers? Do you you want to tell a customer that, that you've developed a fallback product for them and that they really aren't good customers, they're second chance customers? We really decided very early on is that it's critical for us to brand the product very uh, deliberately and try to make it as vibrant as possible. We also think that the fact that this is a bank product is very important. This is a product delivered by a bank, and we think that's important. It may not be actually that important to the customer. I always say that the underbanked or unbanked consumer there's a big piece of that market segment that wants to be in a bank and can't because perhaps they have some past financial problems, whether it's on their credit report or their check systems report. They want to be in a bank, but they can't, and the bank doesn't have the product for them. We think there's also a slice of the customer base that doesn't want to be in a bank. A bank isn't a desirable place for them to do their business. But nonetheless, the Revel card, we think, speaks to both those populations, and we think we can bring them a product in delivery channels that they currently patron, and that could be grocery stores, convenience stores, check cashers. Bring them the product to them um, on their terms and through the delivery channels they connect with. And then by doing so, you're really bringing them the benefits of having a banking relationship that they may not even realize are there. The clearest one is the significant amount of regulation and consumer protections that a bank has to comply with. I mean, you see we're heavily regulated, examined frequently. Uh, So the customer really gets the benefit of that regulation and those consumer protections consistently across the whole country by a federal agency as well as a state agency. So you're really bringing them a product that has the safety and security of a banking product. But to them, it's being delivered through delivery channels they like going to. They're comfortable going to these places. And that that was very deliberate on our part. Just a quick question for you, Trent, a little off the beaten path. Can you tell me more and my audience more about the unbanked or the underbanked and why, for example, you think those folks might use a product like this or, for example, a payday loan? Let's talk for just a second about the sheer size of this market. I mean, I think the statistics are all over the place, but everybody agrees it's very, very large and it's getting larger. We believe that 
today in the marketplace, there are at least 40, maybe 60 million underbanked consumers. When I say underbanked, I mean they may be using one bank account. Perhaps they just have a savings account or they just have a checking account, but their relationship really doesn't go beyond that at that point. And they're still relying on non-bank entities to conduct financial business. We think those 40 plus million consumers, if they were banked today, 25% of them would qualify for a credit card. And we think 10% would qualify for a first mortgage and 20% could qualify for a vehicle loan. So we think the market is very large. Um, We think it's getting larger. For example, take the minority population within the underbanked segment. From statistics, I see minority purchasing power could reach one-third of all purchasing power in the United States by probably 2025 to 2030. So you can see that the opportunity exists there. So we think it's an attractive market for us to be in and for us to be there aggressively. We think that customers will be attractive to the Revel card for reasons I just talked about. It's a card that brings them the features they want affordably and is being done through delivery channels that they're comfortable with. So I always call it sort of the white pillar effect. Bankers have a dogma of white shirts and ties in big brick buildings with white pillars in front of them. And I think if you can get away from that and you can bring banking products through alternative delivery channels and delivery channels that customers like and are comfortable with, you bring the benefits of the banking system to them, you can combat the white pillar effect. Okay, thanks for that. Your new product, the Revel Card, appears to be a prepaid credit card. Now, you're positioning it in the market as an alternative to a payday loan. How is it different from a payday loan or a credit card? And why is it good for a consumer, apart from having all the benefits that you've described of being backed by an actual bank? And what data do you have that tells you a payday loan customer would be able to load the card with money in the first place? Well, what the Revel card really is, it's a debit card. It's a prepaid debit card that doesn't differ that much from any other prepaid debit card out there in the marketplace. This product is getting to be very commoditized. Customers load funds onto the card, whether it be cash or a check cashing proceeds or however way they want to monetize the card. And the card is used for as long as there's funds on the account anywhere in the country where Visa or MasterCard or Discover uh, are accepted. In this case, the Revel card's a MasterCard. So a very simple product. And it really is a debit card. So it's Again, the checklist checking account. The reason we position the product as a viable alternative to payday loans is because we've taken features, specifically Revel Advance, and said, you know, for Revel card customers, for these sort of deposit customers, quasi-deposit customers, let's make them loans. For a customer who has a regular deposit activity onto the account and they meet our credit standards, let's make them loans and then let's just simply take the proceeds of those loans and put them on the Revel card. So I always equate it in the simplest form. If you go to your bank and you want to borrow money and you tell the banker, you know, don't write me a check, just stick it in my checking account because I need to write a check, you know, somewhere anyway with those loan proceeds, we're really doing the same thing. You're borrowing from me and I just use the Revel card platform as the delivery mechanism for the proceeds to go onto the card and then, of course, the payments to come back off of the card. So that's really Revel Advance is simply a feature of the overall program centered around what really is a quasi-deposit relationship. Now, the question I think you asked me, Will, was why is it better or what's the alternative for payday loans or why is it not a payday loan? To answer that question specifically on why do we think customers will be able to put proceeds or will have money to put on the card, frankly, almost all payday loan customers have a checking account. It's typically a standard requirement. And they all have, for the most part, employment. So what we're trying to do with the Revel card 
card is to replace their existing checking account relationship and make the Revel card their checking account, quite honestly. So payroll can be direct deposited on there. If you have cash, you can go to any one of our retail load locations, and we belong to various networks load locations, load cash onto the card. But really, it's meant to replace the checking account for many of these customers. If you're employed, you know, you've got salary or wage income. You can direct deposit that right onto the Revel card and have immediate purchasing power on the card, just like you would your checking account. So the payday loan industry, they understand the customer base very, very well. And they understand that they're making loans to middle-income Americans, moderate-income Americans, all of whom are generally employed, all of whom generally have a checking account. These people have cash flow. They just have a gap in their cash flow situation at the moment. And you know, the, the payday loan industry is centered around the concept of bridging that gap. And the Revel card isn't that much different other than what we're trying to do is bridge the gap with a loan product, but then also have the card serve as that deposit product. We always say, bring the bank on a card is really what we're trying to do. Okay. Who is going to offer the Revel card specifically? Is this a product that payday lenders can offer alongside payday loans? And also, you've mentioned that people can load money on the card. Is the Revel card, for example, going to be something that a payday loan owner or a store owner could load the Revel card with a payday loan? What kind of impact do you think the Revel card may have on the payday loan industry's market share? I don't know, just a bit of off-the-cuff prognostication. Sure. The Revel card could be offered through any variety of retailers, a payday loan store included. We think the card is perfectly suited for check cashers, grocery stores, convenience stores, credit unions, community banks, people who are there and have a relationship with the customer base that we're attracted to. For example, check cashers, many of these customers come to the check casher and cash their check every two weeks. We always say, you know, rather than cash their check and walk out with cash, you walk out with Revel. Much safer than carrying around all that cash and you have added purchasing power. The cash can't be used to rent a car or rent a hotel room or buy online, whereas the Revel card can. So we think it's perfectly suited for check cashers and grocery stores and convenience stores. We also think for banks and credit unions, perhaps they didn't have that account. For those people who have negative or derogatory information on their check systems report, they've bounced some checks in their past. Typically, those customers have a very hard time getting another checking account because that record hangs with them. And banks aren't willing to put that float risk out there by giving them a checking account where they can write checks um, on funds that may not be there given past derogatory information. The Rebel card sort of eliminates that because everything's immediate for the most part. And we go to credit unions and, and small banks and say, look, this is your chance to never have to say no to a customer. Uh, you have a product for every person now and, and put them in the Rebel card for a period of time. And then we encourage our partners to cross market the customers. And sooner or later, that customer may need a vehicle loan. They may come back to you. So the Rebel card for that segment of our partner base is really an opportunity for them to ha- never have to say no and then hang on to those customers, albeit it's with me, so that when they want to take that next step up the financial services ladder, perhaps they come back to that partner and do that, whether it's a mortgage, a credit card, a car loan, uh, whatever it is. So we think that's very attractive. So that's really the cross-section of the partner locations. We also will do a significant amount of direct mail into places where we think the Revel card would be attractive. I hope that answers your question, Will. Yeah, I think that it does. I have a follow-on here. When they're using the Revel card, are they building credit in a traditional way? When you use your Revel card, we don't report the use of the Revel card, the debit card, if you will, to the credit bureaus. No different than a bank that doesn't report your checking account to the credit bureaus either and who you wrote a check to. But if you come to us for a Revel advance and you say, I'd like to borrow money now, and we put that on the card, your performance on that loan feature does get reported to the three credit bureaus. So assuming a consumer borrows the money from us, pays it back as agreed, that favorable information is reported to the bureaus. And hopefully, assuming all other things being constant, you know they see a lift 
involved in that credit score that's so important for these people. That's a distinguishing factor when Revel Advance is being compared to a payday loan is that we do report to the credit bureaus. And they're in better control of their credit score because they can improve it with good performance. So a consumer, in order to get the Revel card, must they have good credit like they'd have to have in order to get a bank account, or are there more relaxed rules in terms of getting one of these cards? The underwriting is more relaxed than what you probably expect from you know, a bank or to go get a bank loan because we understand that and we expect to find some sort of derogatory credit information if we go clear back in the customer's credit history. So it's certainly more relaxed. And the only thing we look for is we look for stability of employment and stability of residence. Okay, that's very important to us as we underwrite these credits. We want to make sure you have regular deposit activity onto the card because, again, payments come back off the card. So we want to know, you know, we, we want to have customers direct depositing their paycheck or maybe having their bank regularly ACH or electronically transfer money onto the Revel card for them. And then when we look at their credit score, we don't use the credit score as a accept or decline or approve or decline. We use that as a pricing gauge. So based on your credit score, we'll determine the pricing that you enjoy on that credit feature of the Revel program. So bad FICO scores aren't an automatic no. It may result in a little higher price loan than a very good FICO score. Can you get a cash advance through the Revel card? No, you can't get a cash advance because it's not a credit card. So the Revel card is only as good for the amount of money that's on it. And when you want more money than what you may have on the card, you can call us up and give a Revel advance, which really isn't a lot different than a cash advance. It's really very, very similar. But, you know, cash advances, you're typically thinking of a credit card versus a debit card in that situation. Can you tell me a little bit more about that process? Sure. You'll dial up an 800 number. Um, one of my customer service reps will answer the phone and walk you through a very simple application process. That application process does not take that long. There is no paper that has to be faxed or sent in to get approved. We run your credit report and your credit information instantaneously, and we can get an answer back to you very quickly. Typically, the whole application process probably takes less than 10 minutes. Then, once you agree to that, we set up this line for you. It may be a $500 line, let's say, and you tell us if you want to advance at that time, or you don't even have to advance. You can just call me back later on. It's the safety and security of knowing that it's there. It's free to have it if you don't access it. So some people may apply, be approved. I set up a $500 line of credit for them, and they may not use it right away, but they may think there could be a day that they want to, and it doesn't cost them anything to have that feature there and accessible. When the time comes that you want to advance, it's a simple phone call back up to us in South Dakota. We walk through the, you know, just to verify you are who you are, and then we can put the money on your card instantaneously. So I always use the example, if you're at Walmart, for example, and you need to buy a new set of tires for your car, uh, and you have Revel Advance as, as part of your Revel card, we could have the $400 on the card before you get to the front of the checkout line because it's that quick. One thing the payday loan industry has done exceptionally well is their convenience. It is a very convenient transaction. They're in very convenient locations. And we knew that if you want to compete with the industry, you have to create a product just as convenient, which is very tough to do from South Dakota. I can't put a bank branch everywhere that there's a payday loan store in Texas or Georgia or North Carolina or Florida or wherever it happens to be. So we have to use technology and make the process flow just as convenient as the payday loan process flow. And in fact, I think we've made it more convenient because it's not such a paper-intensive process. Okay, thanks much for that description. I appreciate it. Switching gears, you worked for eight years as a senior compliance examiner at the FDIC. For our listeners, what does the FDIC do? How does it affect the credit industry? And what are its responsibilities just in general? Valerie Miller from Credit.com on a previous interview said, to paraphrase, that the FDIC doesn't legislate but instead regulates through recommendations. Can you tell us more about that and how it affects everyone and maybe even the economy? Sure. I heard Valerie's 
interview, and I would agree with her up until one point, is that the FDIC is a federal agency, and they don't regulate through recommendations. They regulate through regulations, and the agency will write regulations. Now, some things that they do may not necessitate a regulation, and it may be a guidance document, but they certainly write regulations all the time, um, and that's something they do regularly, and banks have to comply with them. Stepping back for a minute, the FDIC really has two functions. First and foremost, they're really the insurance agency for everybody's deposit accounts at their bank up to their $100,000 cap. So regardless of the bank you go into, whether it's a national bank, a state bank, a bank that's a member of the Federal Reserve System, those deposits are insured by one agency, and that's the FDIC. And then as the insurer of those deposits, the FDIC has certain regulatory authority over all banks and examination authority. Their field of examiners spend most of their time in one piece of the dual banking system, and that being state banks that aren't members of the Federal Reserve System. That just happens to be the segment of banks that the FDIC is actively has examiners in on an ongoing basis. But again, they have authority to examine every bank, and typically banks that are troubled in troubled situations and on the verge of failure, regardless of the type of bank they are, the FDIC will be a part of that process because ultimately they'll be the ones that are cutting checks back to depositors if that bank fails. Uh, the agency, of course, has been around for a very long time, and my function at the FDIC as the senior compliance examiner was to focus predominantly on banks' compliance with consumer protections regulations. So things like Reg Z, for example, which is probably the most common consumer protection regulation, or Reg B, regulations that are out there designed to make sure banks are clearly disclosing information on their accounts to customers and aren't discriminating in the manner in which they do their business. Fair Lending, the Community Reinvestment Act, those were all things that I spent most of my time on there. Thanks for that information. Can you take a second and provide an actual head-to-head, toe-to-toe comparison between the Revel card and a payday loan? Sure. We think there's basically six clear distinctions between our Revel Advance feature and a payday loan. First and foremost is simply cost. Let's take an example. You need $400 and you want to take three months to pay it off. A Revel Advance would cost you about $80 in fees and interest over that three-month period. If you accessed your bounce protection at your bank, for example, and let's say you had to write two bounce checks per month Um, over those same three months. And let's just say the bank has the exact average $27.14 per occurrence, you're going to pay the bank $162. So Revel Advance is half the price of a bounce protection service. If you needed a subprime credit card and you went out there to get a subprime credit card and you needed $400 to take three months to pay it off, by the time you acquire the card and pay the fees to acquire the card plus the interest, uh, you would pay $217 in cost. More clearly, if you wanted a payday loan and you needed $400 and you couldn't pay it off in two weeks, but rather decided simply to roll it over for those three months, you'll pay $432 in fees, assuming that it's a $20 per hundred payday loan fee. With the internet, if it was, let's just say, $25, you'd pay about $600 in fees. So I think the most important thing that really strive to do is create a feature that is more affordable than a payday loan. Now, this isn't an attempt to undercut the payday loan guys, but their cost structure is fundamentally different than the Revel card. They have physical locations all over the country, so they have lease costs and personnel costs that I don't have with the Revel card. So I'm simply hoping I can pass along the savings to the customer and create a card that's a little more affordable simply because I don't have bricks and mortar all over the country. If you look at the economics of a payday loan and the economics of the payday loan store, a significant piece of that fee is devoted to the costs of 
putting those branches all over the place, all around the country. Now, that pays off for them because they're very, very, very convenient. And that's why they've been so successful is because they're on every street corner and they're a very convenient service. But that also comes as a cost, and that's very expensive. So, again, we're cheaper than a payday loan. That's more of a distinction in, the, in our cost structures more than anything else. The other thing I think is a critical distinction between the Revel Advance and a payday loan is that the Revel Advance really doesn't have a cycle of debt. You always hear about the cycle of debt, and that's been a dogma for the industry. It's been a significant kink in their armor. The, the arguments that a payday loan doesn't create a cycle of debt is a difficult, difficult argument, and critics of payday loans have been very successful in criticizing payday lending and using that as one of their primary arguments. Revel Advance doesn't have a cycle of debt. Customers can pay their balance to zero in around eight weeks with manageable minimum payments that ensure aggressive principal reduction. So you can borrow money from me, make the required payments, and in about eight weeks have that balance to zero. Whereas if a payday loan, if you need to borrow, again, going back to my $400 example, if you need to borrow $400 and you're going to roll it over every two weeks and you're going to pay $80 every two weeks to do that, at the end of six or eight or ten weeks, you still owe $400. With the Revel card, that same payment, that same $80 payment, retires that debt to zero in about eight weeks. So we really made sure that the product can't create a cycle of debt for customers. Well, let me flip in there as devil's advocate for just one second. What happens if a customer chooses to not pay it off and instead let that balance ride? Do they accumulate a series of fees like they would on a standard credit card? Yes, you would pay a late fee just because you didn't make your payment in a timely manner. The late fee is $25. Okay. And do they accumulate interest on top of that late fee, or is it just strictly the late fee? It's strictly the late fee. The Revel card has a 495 monthly fee whenever there's a balance out on the account every month. So assuming you decided not to pay us, A, you would go delinquent and we'd collect and we wouldn't let you advance again. So you can't really roll the loan over. You just We'd shut off your access to credit until we get the balance satisfied. But then, you know, as long as there's a balance, there's a 495 fee plus a late fee of $25. Okay. Sort of switching gears once again, as an aside, in your opinion, why do banks, credit unions, and I guess, quote unquote, standard forms of credit in those sorts of institutions sometimes have a difficult time competing with the payday loan industry? Sure. Great question. I think that the primary reason that the financial services industry, banks and credit unions specifically, have not been able to aggressively compete against the payday loans is because I think there is a case to be made that some of these banks and credit unions have been so enamored with their overdraft protection returns that they perhaps there isn't a lot of incentive to do that because there's an effective cannibalization. If I create a product that's significantly less than overdraft protection, I'm going to lose some overdraft protection income because those customers are going to move out of my overdraft product. And those returns have been staggering. You read about them all the time. The regulatory agency said bank non interest income, that being fee income, it's record highs right now. And overdraft protection has a lot to do with the service fee income the banking industry and the credit union industry is enjoying right now. So I think many of these institutions have frankly just been enamored and they don't want to jeopardize that return. And that's probably created a little reluctance on their part. I also think that the regulatory environment as it relates to short-term lending has been unstable in recent years. So I think there are banks that have been hesitant and credit unions perhaps that have been hesitant to create a payday loan alternative because they're not sure they're going to be able to create enough of an alternative to stay out of the fray when it comes to the regulatory treatment of payday lending. It's been very well documented, starting with the OCC, moving on to the FDIC. Banks have been in and out of payday lending, um, and it's got headlines. 
and there are a lot of banks that don't want to create headlines. And so and none of those headlines have been particularly positive. So I think some of the banks have been a little hesitant to come out there and create an alternative because they're afraid that their regulatory agency may not view it as a true alternative, and then all of a sudden they've got all the problems that the other banks that were in payday lending have had. I think it's up to the regulatory agencies to step up and say, look, we believe that you can create a viable payday loan alternative, and we want our banks to do that. They should be out there saying that right now more than what they are, because I think the banks that are out there trying to bring better deals to customers should feel confident that they're in a regulatory framework that will encourage them to do that within the bounds of safe and sound lending, of course. I also think financial institutions and credit unions have lacked a delivery channel that is viable and competes with the convenience, the accessibility, and the level of service that the small dollar loan customers expect. The payday lending industry is very convenient, it's very simple, and they do a very good job at customer service. It's been very difficult for what traditionally are brick-and-mortar banks and credit unions to be just as convenient, just as accessible, and provide that same level of customer service for a $400 loan. It's been very difficult for them to compete on those factors. I think there are still uncertainty about credit losses that's made banks and credit unions hesitant. And I mentioned this earlier, and I still believe very wholeheartedly in this, alternatives to payday loans have not been marketed very well. Uh, I, I mentioned second-chance checking. That's like saying you're a second-level customer or you're not a customer I really want, I'm just going to give you a second chance. I think that's a terrible way to market a product. You know, some of these places that are creating alternatives to payday lending have not done a very good job with their product image and creating a desirability on their customers. So I think the fact that they just weren't marketed well has a lot to do with the fact why none of them have been able to compete that well. Trent, thanks for joining PLI Watch today. Thank you, Will. I enjoyed it. This week's podcast did not have a sponsor. Like the work we're doing? Please contact Robert James via the contact page on our website to learn more about how you can support our work. If you'd like to make a donation to help keep PLIwatch.org running, please see the donations page on our website. Remember, visit PLIwatch.org for industry-independent news, interviews, RSS news feeds, helpful tips, and older podcasts. You can also take a look at our listings and reviews of payday loan vendors. This is Will Stotler for PLI Watch. Thanks for listening.